Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am Andy Wood. We are sounding better than normal. I think we do. <laughs> We're on... This is the, definitely the first guest who's brought his own microphones, oh. just, just, just by chance, just because he happened to have them with him. Our first high-fidelity guest. High-fidelity guest. It's Kifo Nielsen. Hello. Recording engineer, producer, musician. Bass player. Able to uh, dunk a basketball in a regulation hoop, from what I understand. I can dunk channel? a basketball. That is certainly in my brand, yeah. That's amazing. That is certainly something that I like to brag about. And I like to brag about it just because I can barely do it. And it's not impressive at all because I can. I'm tall. That's why yeah. I can do it because I'm tall. Like it's not. It's not actually cool that a tall guy can dunk a basketball. So that's why I think it's kind of funny to be like, oh, I can dunk back. Because if you see me do it, it's like that's not impressive, dude. How yeah. tall are you? I'm about six four and a half ish. No, I think that's still. That's yeah. not so tall that you can just. You would yeah, it's not practice. like you're sort of seven eight and you can just like tip it in. You have to jump. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like it still doesn't look that impressive. It's still pretty goofy, and I just, <laughs> I, I just, cool. I just picked it up as a joke because I was just like, I think it's just funny, especially like in the Twitter world of just like saying ridiculous things. I just thought it was funny to be like, I kept tweeting like, Kifo can dunk a basketball, Nilsson. <laughs> has this to say you know like like that was like my thing and i just thought it was funny for some reason and uh but it is true just have it in your but it is have it in your arsenal yeah yeah like can any of john lennon's kids dunk a basketball i don't see you got- i they well they're not announcing it on twitter <laughs> maybe they need it's not see, on yeah. Their brand. yeah it's not in their brand if they can but here's the here's the dark and dirty secret of that i have not been playing basketball recently but I did happen to go to the gym yesterday, just again, kind of by chance. Uh, I just happened to go, and I couldn't dunk. See, that means uh, it is a skill, and you shouldn't. Just I tried. Chuck it to your height. That's I, a fair point. That's I a great tried, point. I tried, and it, I got really close. I would probably need a couple weeks to get back into it, but I'm sure I don't you know. Can get it back. I hope so. Yeah, these things come and go as we age. You know, like we're not always in our peak physical condition. And... I think with age, it mostly just goes. <laughs> well, no, sometimes <laughs> you can have upswings again. Like there's the guy who. Uh, who runs my... But you know what? Okay, a lot of times these people are probably doing substances you don't know about. There's a guy who's like 45 who runs the CrossFit gym I go to and he looks like, uh, you know, he was on the cover of Men's Health or Men's Fitness or whatever it is last year. Crazy ripped, probably in his prime, but who knows what substances uh, might be going into that that are or are not legal. Probably a lot of lean meat. Maybe it, turkey you know, it and could stuff, just be keto and whatever. Egg whites. Other, yeah, I don't want to throw them under the bus you know, all in case the, he listens all, to this. All the stuff. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, uh, I guess now's the time to say I'm also a vegan. So I'm a vegan who can dunk. That's oh, These that's, are the things that I, I like to draw attention to these things because it's kind of just, I don't know. It's, you know, we were talking about Kanye West earlier, and I heard this thing. And this is getting on a tangent, but I heard this thing once about, because, you know, for a long time, everyone, the only thing, if you say Kanye West, the only thing people would say is, oh, he's got that big ego. Mm-hmm. It was like the only thing. It was just like, it was like just Pavlovian. Like you hear Kanye and then you hear yeah. ego. And I heard that that was... Uh, Essentially, like that's just a marketing strategy where he's essentially giving you one thing to focus on because that way he gets to keep everything else. And I heard that and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like, does that make he sense? He gets to have a private life. Yeah, like, because- like he gets to just like all of his friends and family don't say Kanye ego. They know that that's just what he's throwing out into the world so that 
I, maybe I'm not explaining so it kind in, of the way. In, in but interviews, you're saying he tries to be over the top and crazy, so that's the whole story. So he never has to reveal that much true personal something detail, like that. Or? Like I don't know that I'm doing it justice, but the way it was phrased when I heard it, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And maybe there's something more to this than that. Maybe it isn't just that he's like really full. I mean, maybe he is too. But but anyway, well, when I heard that though, this goes back to then I was like, well, I'm going to start saying ridiculous. Not you know, just like put certain things out there, like oh, yeah, vegan who can dunk like and just put that out there as a joke, like the joke version of that. And that'll be well, that that'll be your uh, it'll be you know blessing and a curse because you'll be known as only the dunking vegan. Yes, and you're like, but I also want to be known as a good bass player. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know which is funnier. You know, I just <laughs> would default to which is funnier. It's 2018. You, you just you know like. I think if you put that on, so we should mention that you're here in part to let listeners know that you're doing uh, a live show yeah. next week, and uh, I, would, I would hope the show is marketed as uh, Kifo the dunking vegan Nelson brings you <laughs> the point. Is that how it's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, for all of everything I just said, I guess I just I, I'm not I'm not being entirely honest because it's just being marketed as a show. Okay, just a show, <laughs> just a show. So that one's for the Dynasty Typewriter, right? Is it the Dynasty it's Typewriter? One of my favorite. It's our favorite new, new venue. Yeah, totally. It's the best new comedy venue in LA. Yeah, run by uh, Jamie Flam and yep. uh, Vanessa Ragland. Yep, and um, it's in MacArthur Park, Haytown. Yeah, border. yeah. I, I I never know exactly when people ask me where it is. I never because I'm not really an Angelino as we were talking about earlier. Monagora Hills. Monagora Hills in well thousand at Westlake. I live over there, so Ventura County. And uh, I mean, obviously, I yes, I don't know. Okay. I don't know exactly what to uh, summarize it as, but yeah, near MacArthur Park. But you're doing um, your father's uh, album and uh, movie, The Point. Yeah, The Point. And uh, for listeners who haven't seen that, I was just looking for, I, I was sure there's got to be a way to stream it, but it's surprisingly difficult to find it online it's anywhere right now. It's funny because, yeah, a while yeah. ago. Your dad being Harry Nelson, by the way, we should actually have said that. Yes, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, realized. yeah. I guess we, well, we, yeah, we, we sort we, of just we, assumed from we like started with the, the We started with the most irrelevant things <laughs> dunking vegan nonsense to be honest Twitter. that's that's i mean that's your thing though that's not i no. know but but it is just i i mean it those is are just... things you developed yourself you can take full <laughs> credit for your dunking ability and veganism <laughs> that well again though the dunking is just because i'm tall and that comes from my dad so oh, how tall was your dad i think he was about six three ish yeah. i didn't think of him as a tall guy i didn't yeah. know that oh um, but yeah, uh, so the point it was for a brief minute, it was actually on YouTube, like the whole thing. And eventually, you know, copyright reasons that gets taken yeah. down. But I do remember people kept like linking it to me like, Hey, the points on you. And I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can get, but, I found DVDs on Amazon, but I didn't find any streaming services that. Yeah. Right it, now. it was, I think on one of the streaming services at one point those things kind of come and go. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have a hand in, you know, or say, and so, that... so you're going to be performing it with a live band yeah and this and is actually our second i kind of wish we'd done this a couple of weeks ago but the timing i didn't know you guys a couple of weeks ago but this is an encore performance so the the big like marquee show was at the top of the month and it went really well and we sold out and then jamie and vanessa were like hey come do it again so awesome. this is our encore performance it's a matinee it's on sunday november 4th at 3 p.m And it's featuring Ron Lynch, the comedian Ron Lynch. Love Ron. Yeah, he's going to be narrating the thing. A a duty which has formerly been done by Dustin Hoffman and Ringo Starr. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, Dustin Hoffman, Ringo Starr. Alan Thicke actually did a version. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Uh, and then I've done the live show now. This is going to be the fifth time. And the first two, I had my brother Zach uh, narrating it. And then the third one, I had Daniel Ortberg, the writer. Daniel Ortberg. Uh, and then I had Tim Heidecker awesome. on the last one. And now Ron Lynch on this one. And I kind of want to try to rotate kind of as much as I can because I feel like that's a cool spot that people can – it has that, you know, flex to just kind of bring in someone else who has their own vibe and their own – Yeah. Their right. own kind of different audience maybe that doesn't know what the point is and kind of bring them into that. And Yeah, we should mention to listeners who haven't heard it before, it is – it's it's an all-ages show, I'm assuming, the matinee, correct? Yes. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a kid's – it's a kids album and special, but also for adults. But uh, yeah, bring your kids out to it if, if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, all bring ages. Your adult friends out to bring it. Bring your adult friends out to it. Anyone who's a big fan of the 70s, bring them to it. Even if it's, you know. it's a great, I mean, it's full of great, like, Dr. Seussian um, jokes, like the fact that uh, everybody has a point in yeah. the world of the point, except for the main character who was yeah. born with a round head and uh, sort of the moral being that not everything has to have a point or things like that. And yeah, totally. And it's kind of, it's it's cool in the sense that it's a really simple story. It's a fable, you might say. And it has this message of, you know, acceptance and don't kick someone out of the village because they're different than you. You know, that's kind of what happens. And Oblio goes on a journey and, you know, finding different perspectives. And But it, it does, it 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 holds up, you know, those, those messages can always be heard, I think yeah, in any format, in any way. And I was just thinking on, on the drive over when I was just thinking about how, how in the story, and I don't, I mean, I guess it, spoiler alert for something that happened in 1971, <laughs> spoiler alert, but, but you know, in the story, Oblio gets kicked out of the village after he humiliates the son of the evil count. And it's interesting though, because prior to that he is actually kind of accepted by the people even though he's roundheaded they still more or less accept him but until the count says nope this is against the law we're going to kick you out then everyone just goes along with that too uh-huh. like or at least they don't hmm. they don't protest including his own parents they're just like well law's the law okay <laughs> and i was thinking about that and i was like that's actually that's kind of that's that's kind of how it happens in real life uh-huh. right because nobody most of the time thinks of themselves as being prejudiced. They don't think of themselves as being a monster, but then sometimes someone comes along and says, Oh, you're supposed to hate this person. Right, and then all right, of a sudden, right. like they go, Oh yeah, I guess I do hate that person. Or, Oh yeah, I guess, well, I don't hate them personally, but yeah, they need to, yeah, I, I need to, yeah. you know, make their right, life difficult right. or whatever. With an out, with a little bit, with an under sprinkling of, uh, they might start hating me if I don't join in with their hating them. Yeah, so like where where the origins of that stuff kind of come from, I think is relevant. It's always relevant, and I think it holds up in that interpretation uh, just as well as it holds up as the you know the story of just of acceptance and everything acceptance, having yeah. a point and all the the metaphors within that. So yeah, that reminds me when I was a kid, I didn't know what uh, I mean. I guess I, I knew that that Judaism existed as a religion, but I didn't know that there were any like prejudices against people who were Jewish until like fifth or sixth grade a Jewish girl in my class did some talk in front of the class about anti-Semitism. And I was like, what, what is that? Like, it yeah, doesn't even yeah. occur to you to, until you hear about it. But after that, you're like, well, uh, yeah, you should try. You got support. Huh. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Maybe I should read more about this anti-Semitism stuff. Not a good time to be joking about anti-Semitism, but at least yeah. that does dovetail into, uh, you were also helping raise funds for, um, I forgot the name of the charity. The Hebrew immigrant AIDS aid society. 
Yes. I think that's what it, yeah, H-I-A-S. And that's through a new Tim Heidecker album that you worked on. Uh, yeah, just one, just one song. Um, so as I mentioned before, Tim was the narrator for the first show at the top of the month. And in kind of, uh, he gave me a call after the show and he said, hey, I've got this new song and want to hear it. And then he emailed it to me and it was just a really rough demo. And it was just like, hey, do you, you think you want to come down and maybe you know spruce it up a bit? I said, well, yeah, I mean, I can play a little bit of music, sure. Uh, but I think I'd like to bring in uh, Bobby Halverson, who's my co-producer for The Point Show and just really brilliant arranger and composer and just all around, you know, music brain. And so Bobby and I went down to Tim's place and we you know, listened to the demo again and we just threw together what you hear on the band camp now. And, you know, it was all, it was already written. All the lyrics were there and the form was there and the chords were pretty much there. So we just fleshed it out and uh it's just the one song and then you know i don't know exactly what tim's timeline for releasing it if he was always going to release it when he did or if he was thinking sitting on it or whatever but um then the the shooting happened Mm -hmm. at the tree of life synagogue and in response to that he decided you know well if i'm if i've got this song that i was about to release i would be remiss if i didn't you know try to you know show some support and um so he's donating the you know bandcamp proceeds mm-hmm. and we'll link to that over on probablyscience.com or you could just look up tim heidecker bandcamp and it's a it's a pretty hilarious and in a true tim heidecker fashion like played so straight that it almost isn't satire but yeah. yeah we were listening to it beforehand you know like you you were saying before you could easily put it on in the background and not realize that it's a parody song yeah and i think that's really its strength in a lot of ways i like that about it because it's almost like a choose your own adventure if you want it to be about this sort of lonely delusional character who thinks he'll find meaning and thinks he'll find a girlfriend it can be about that if you want it to be about someone who's genuinely excited for the Trump rally, it could be about that too, kind of. It's called uh, the Ballad of the Incel Man. If we didn't say but that, but that is certainly well. That's <laughs> that's, the, that's what that's what ultimately gives it away, and the fact that it's Tim because he has a a whole book of these Trump songs that he's been doing, and and so it's like him singing it, him coming at it, gives it that satirical underpinning. But I do think just as a song, it just kind of works as a song on its own grounds. Uh, kind of regardless and I like that about it a lot and I like that you can talk about it like it's not any one specific thing and I think that's a mark of a good song in yeah. general like just anything that gets you talking about it and gets you listening to it you know yeah I recommend everyone check it out and you can donate however much you want from a dollar and up at his band camp so yeah timheidecker.bandcamp.com and uh, uh, of course we'll also have links to the the point tickets to that uh, on probablyscience.com as well so the date for that again uh, November fourth. November fourth. Yeah. Coming Sunday. 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 Excellent. You just you just let which of back. course though coming Sunday. But I mean, when will this be? This will be publishing this, this out in, today. I'll put publishing this out, today out this in December sure. or something. <laughs> Hopefully, fact, it's this Sunday. In fact, that means next week's episode is going to be three weeks old, and there will be dated things in that now. But this yeah. is important to get out now. Well, so. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, this I'm one's going to go out. But too. I liked how you when you just you, as you said the point again. You leant back and accidentally sort of lent on a ukulele. I did bump into my ukulele. It did yeah. feel like you were just. Yeah. punctuating it like a kids TV show. <laughs> oh, I should mention, we didn't finish saying why we sound better today, which is that Kifo happened to have microphones for rehearsal in his car. So he brought in these Sennheiser 
yeah, the E nine forty five. Yeah, nine forty five. Well, you have the nine forty five, and then we have the nine thirty five. Oh, see. For some reason, they are higher quality than the ones we got on eBay when we first started this podcast five years ago. See, I'm curious if listeners can tell, and if Sennheiser uh, Corporate is listening, we'd love you to send a few of these our way. They are really, really good microphones, and I just, I just picked them up recently. They had a special on them, and uh, I'm really happy with them. And yeah, the only big difference between the one you have and the one we have, the, the uh, 945 and 935, I mean, they, they sound a little bit different, but the big difference is that is a super cardioid. And okay. this is, these are regular. And basically that just means the pickup pattern is different. So like if uh, you go off axis, it'll... If I go off to here, does that sound different? You almost disappear. You disappear. Yeah, right you almost disappear. It, there but where is it? If I, if I do the same, would that have a different... Okay, I'm going... You the side of it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still... It still attenuates you a little bit, but less. Right. It There's a broader pickup pattern on these and a narrower one on that. Do so. you remember doing um, um, polar coordinates? Was that a thing you ever had to do? I'm sure I had to do... everyone had to at some point in math, right? Yeah, I had maths. to do polar coordinates. I had to do all that stuff. Cardioids because they're kind of heart-shaped, right? Isn't that what I'm a... Yeah. I would like to know how they make microphones that have the different pickup shapes like what they physically do yeah i don't understand that either. i mean this is a science I, podcast but. yeah i i'm afraid i can't answer that but i could refer you to someone who could maybe yeah uh i did go to once uh the another fantastic mic makers aea and i went to they, they have a shop out in pasadena where they might make and work on mics and i got to see them doing it and i was like whoa this is so cool but i forgot all about it yeah, I have a I have a Rode or Rode. Have you pronounced the R O D E? What's that brand? Is it just Rode? I think it's just Rode. I and it has so. it has a it has a toggle, and you can go between a cardioid, and then one is like a figure eight. Yeah, and I don't know what that's changing when you do that, but uh, and is that that's a that's a condenser mic? I take it. Yeah, it requires phantom power. Is that what yeah. a condenser is? Okay, I sort of know this shit, but I don't really know. Again, it. like yeah, same. Like I sort of know it, and I can say some fancy terms sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not really, and I hope that, yeah, I hope that. It's a, I'm Googling right now, and it, it's a really hard thing to search for because most of the articles I'm getting here are basically. Which you, microphone to buy or something? Yeah, yeah. you're like, yeah. how, it's more, I'm, I want to know how it's physically made yeah. and gives you the different patterns, I, and, and it's, it's more it's, telling you like, here's when you'd want to use each of yeah. the different patterns yeah. and in which scenario and why why it's useful to have different patterns and that sort of, all right, well, I, I kind of, it's one of those that. things too, that I've, I've certainly been explained it before, but I just, I don't use it. I don't use that knowledge right. in my daily life. Right. Uh, even though I do have a job as an audio engineer, sometimes it's not that type of audio engineer. It's most por- like post-production stuff, which I'm not using the physical construction of Mike's yeah. knowledge in my daily life. So same with like guitar effects. I should be able to understand like what, what an out of phase sound is and why it is that way, but I don't totally get well, it. Well, I, I get sure it. I get phase patterns. I understand how that works, but, uh, but like Brian May's guitar, when he does, when you have two pickups that are out of phase, maybe it's so that I understand the math, but I don't get why it results in it, in that different sound or something or, or why being out of phase wouldn't make everything just kind of cancel out or, but again, this is something that half an hour online could probably answer. You could for me certainly, <laughs> yeah, you could certainly brush up on all this stuff. And if it really came down to it, I'm sure you'd have the capacity to learn it. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not the not hardest stuff in the world. It just, it does require attention and specialization and time yeah. that we don't have at the moment because we're just hanging out. We got a podcast to do. Yeah, we got a podcast to do. We got, we, we can say things about stuff and have it not be true and go i don't know what they're talking well, about we, have, have we do have some very good listeners <laughs> who are excellent at both well, correcting so that's and explaining the best things. thing about okay so this is like that old saying about like the internet if you really want to know the truth about something say something wrong 
Because yeah. then you know the comment section will just devolve. Uh, just everyone will jump on you for it immediately. So it's like you want to know how something works. Just say something works in the way that it doesn't work, Especially and then if, if it has to do with stealth bombers, which we found oh out the man, hard if it has to do with anything, I, do, I mean, there are certain things our listeners will be very quick to point out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. I also don't understand how phantom power or phantom power yeah, is. I don't ghosts. Totally get it either. I think it is with ghosts. It's with ghosts, right? It's ghosts. Forty-eight yeah. volt ghosts. Yeah, I mean, I saw. I, yeah, ghosts. Forty-eight volt ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. It's the V. Is the V vaults or, or like? See, I don't. I, I also looked this up when vault? I bought yeah. that mic. I thought it was like vampires. Forty-eight vampires. Forty-eight vampire ghosts. Yeah, yeah I'm no, sorry. No, that's, that's right. That's as good as I could do on short notice. Six trombones yeah. and the forty-eight vampires. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So definitely say things wrong on the internet as much as you want, because there will always be someone who will spend some of their day correcting you. Or you'll get elected president, and uh, not to get too political, guys. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, by the way, oh, uh, get out and vote. I mean, I know it's trite to ask people to do that, but, you know, go, go I think go it vote. would be great. <laughs> I mean, I, I, certainly I hope that there's listeners around the country. Yeah, it's yeah, not yes, just, it's not just, it's around not, world, yeah, but, yeah, and around the world, around the country that, because cause sometimes I get discouraged with the voting thing. Not, I mean, I always vote, but I get discouraged about it just because, like, the specific pocket that I live, I do feel like my specific vote is not so consequential. Yeah, that does. I mean, you like, know what I mean? Like, I'm just I like, I don't know, but, who's your comptroller? Yeah, right. I just feel like I'm just like, well, objectively, where I live, it's not that big. But, that's just me being dumb because everyone needs to do it. It's and, and important. And the propositions or it's proposals, important. what do you yeah. call them? Proposals, propositions. Ballot measures, I think is the actual word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does kind of suck that like for the president, a person in Wyoming's vote counts for five times as much as a person in Yeah, and, and I just think that, kind of I think that it's worth doing to just cycle through your mind think about well why was my react like if someone tells you to vote and your reaction is eh, well, psych- let yourself have those feelings and then just defeat them and right. go out and do it it's not that hard to do you know it's and, not that hard uh, to do and we're but not that's trying to, again, to grandstand by saying well, but, you should so do that's it the other it's... reason that that's the thing that bugs me about it because it's like it's not so hard to do in california where we have pretty good voting protection but there's Places, places in the country where it's like oh to vote i have to stand in line for four hours and miss work and, and miss work yeah. and like it, like that sort of stuff I have no answer to because it's just so depressing to read about and I wish that there was a I wish to get out you know just go vote go vote but like that's like an, a structural breakdown that, I don't know, we're getting too political maybe. No, no, but. no, it's fine. This podcast can be whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, before, the, I, was trying to, I was trying to find, while we, you were talking just then, I was trying to find the exact wording of the tweet. Hoff Matthews tweeted about two weeks ago, and I thought this was lovely, just relevant to what we were just talking about. The closest you can get to knowing what it's like to be a ghost is listening to a podcast where the host is trying to remember a piece of trivia that you know. <laughs> ah yes oh my god yeah you're just but you know what at your car but hey but hey what would you say though would you rather listen to a podcast where the hosts and guests are all struggling to remember something and looking like idiots or the podcast where they confidently say something that's wrong and then they all go around saying oh yeah it's just like that oh you know what i point. mean now, it's much much more fun to be where they don't know because at and least I, sometimes we I definitely think... have fallen into both camps on the regular yeah because yeah, at least i mean i look I'm, I'm trying not to represent any knowledge that I don't have if I can help it, right? At least I can admit that. But sometimes you do hear someone who's like, yo, this is, did you hear about this thing? And then everyone goes, yeah, that's so cool. That's so true. But that's really just some wrong, bullshit, some bullshit. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Just some, some myth or whatever. And the, the Nova didn't sell in Latin America because it means doesn't go. No, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> I think I've heard that one. Yeah, it's patently false. Uh, hey, before we get or deep into the, the weak science stories, we like to ask our guests, what, if anything, is your background in science? We've already covered music tech a bit. Yeah, I have zero background in science uh, from any formal uh, category. In fact, I don't even think I took every class I was supposed to take in high school. I think I skipped one, and I 
only went to college for music, so and I didn't even finish that. So <laughs> uh, I like it, though. I'm an enthusiast. Uh, the only the only semi scientific thing I can claim is that I am a registered citizen scientist. Oh, go uh, on. Which is uh, I, with the National Park Service. I have an ongoing project, which is currently on hiatus. But for the past three years, I've had an ongoing project where I set up remote cameras in the Santa Monica Mountains to track wildlife. What? And I got a permit to do this through the NPS, and it says on the permit, like, citizen science collection permit. And so I can technically say that, and it's technically true. Yeah. But it's not, like, a formal qualification by any stretch, because really... Yeah. A motion sensitive camera or something that's just, yeah, like, they're just the... there's they're these like hunting cameras, really. I mean, there's just they, they're purpose built that you can get online that they're uh, these self contained little boxes and they, they're infrared so they can see in the dark and they're motion activated and they don't have like well, they don't have a complicated screen on them, so the battery lasts forever pretty much like six oh, months or okay. something like that. And I just started doing it a couple of months ago because I've always been kind of interested in wildlife and outdoors and backpacking and tracking like uh, about i don't know i want to say like 14 15 years ago this is where it intersects with music but i got the opportunity to go to uh, victor wooten you know the bass player victor wooten he has these music camps and they're music slash nature camps and the early 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 ones was just bass slash nature camp and so it was (laughs) It, space and it's just space and nature. Yeah. Base, yeah. base, slam dunk vegan yeah. base. So nature. again, yeah. maybe that's where that started too, because it's just like, how can you mix random things together? But yeah, it was it was base and nature, and so the, it was like a four four or five day, uh, you know, camp, and it was half of it was music classes, base classes, mm-hmm. and then half of it was like nature master classes. And this one guy, John Young. Um, he came and did a, a couple, you know, kind of lecture master class type things, just talking about not just just talking about tracking, tracking mm-hmm. as a topic. And I'd never seen it before, heard of it before, really. And like I was, you know, 17 at the time or whatever. And I was just so blown away. I was like, that's so cool. But just I just tracking not to hunt, just tracking. to Yeah, because track, it's like. it's it's very similar in some respects. It has yeah. a lot of the same skill sets in some respects. But um it, you don't kill the animal in the end, mm-hmm. you know, like you're using a lot of the same skill sets, but it ends up being more rewarding over time because you're, instead of killing the animal and ending it and ending that relationship, you know, ending the, the, the hunter hunted relationship, it turns into a sustaining relationship. It's and, like a Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they kind of thing <laughs> going for many seasons. Yeah. Well, cause that, what ends up happening is with like my cameras, like I, there's, so I track like gray foxes and there's like, foxes that I, I can more or less recognize and I'm pretty sure it's the same fox really? and, I can, and I can see them through the seasons and see how things change and see like oh huh. they haven't been around for a while or there they are oh look for instance uh the last time that I really had the cameras out and I was checking them all the time I was getting the same fox in the same spot pretty much every day with a rat oh. in it with a rat in its mouth heading in the same direction every time like so a place he knows there's gonna be rats every day to well, kill one and th- well, just a creature of habit yeah. well yes but but really what it is is he's bringing a rat or she's bringing a rat back to a den with fox kits yeah okay. so that's that behavior like if it was just a solo fox on its own he or she would just eat the rat maybe bring it somewhere but mostly they just eat the rat where it is but they but otherwise if they have young to look after they mm-hmm. bring it home to them and when they're doing it that consistently in the same spot i was like oh the den must be somewhere over there they're hunting she was over lucked there. out with this camera being near a den kind of well 
lucked out, quote unquote, because I've also oh, studied. I've also then. studied the tracking. So like I'm reading the sign and trying to figure out. I mean, it is a lot of luck. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of patience. You you do get it wrong a lot, but I am trying to use what I've learned as best as I can to come up with where's the more likely places that placing a camera will yeah. produce cool results. Have you put the videos online or anything that you've got? Yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram and my Instagram is, it's not even like for music at all. It's just for this pretty much. What I is mean, it? Uh, it's called Samo underscore wild. Samo underscore wild. So Samo is for like Santa Monica Mountains. Oh, okay. And uh, I have a, a few music things on there, but it's mostly just for the wildlife photos. Oh, those are really cool. <laughs> that one with the fox staring yeah. right down the camera yeah. with lit up eyes. That's incredible. I, oh, yeah. There's one of the... Well, so that's not just one, though. So you cycle through that. Wait. It's looking uh, right at the camera. Wait, wait. Uh, wait, is this the one? Yeah. This is all different days with different rats. That's so cool. Again, we'll link so to you this look, over See, look, 712. Oh, yeah. Samo underscore wild. Um, 76. That's crazy. Yeah, so... That's um, that's just that's a hobby, and yeah, that's a cool hobby. It's that's a hobby, and it you know it's it it lets me say I'm a citizen scientist, which right. gives me something to say on your probably science podcast. No, that's a awesome. lot more than most people would bring. To, is this a bobcat? No, what is yes, bobcat? bobcat? Yeah, bobcat. That's a really good picture. So I've pretty much too. so yeah, and you you'll find if you keep scrolling, there's a, there's there's mountain lions too, so rabbits, I've, foxes, bobcats, uh, mountain lion there base. Oh wow. That's terrifying. Those guys really are around. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this is cool. Um, in the Santa Monica Mountains, because, you know, it's enclosed, right? You got the ocean on one side. You got the 101 on the other side. And then uh-huh. you got, you know, L.A. on the other side. And then kind of Oxnard, Camarillo area on the other side. So that there's not really anywhere for them to go. They have to live in that area. And they're really boxed in. And there's probably, I don't know the numbers exactly, but there's probably about a dozen of them, like adults, and then a handful of cubs. In the entirety of the Santa Monica Mountains. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more by now. I'm not entirely sure. But in the course of this tracking project, I got this really great video that's on the Instagram of a mother mountain lion and two cubs walking by the camera. And one of the cubs sniffs the camera. And you can hear you can hear that go like... Oh, it has audio on it. Yeah, it has audio. It's great. I love it. I've watched it a zillion times. I'm like, it's like, that's my... That's the one thing I'm really stoked on. And turned out when I showed it to the NPS, they knew about the mother, but they didn't know about the cubs. So you're actually doing oh. real science. You're so helping I was actually able to, was actually, yeah, able to kind of, kind of point them in the direction of a couple new mountain lions. And I feel good about that. That's really cool. This was like two years ago though. So I have no idea what happened to those cubs. A lot of times the cubs don't make it, unfortunately. Um, but that was really cool. So have there been any, I guess I would have heard about this if there were, I'm assuming there haven't been any like fatal attacks or, or um, not in California there was one up in was it Vancouver I think I want to say it was in Vancouver a while back mm-hmm. I think it might have been Oregon but it was, I think it was in Vancouver where um, it's like mountain bike to mountain bike person and one of them just got like jumped by a mountain lion. this was only a few months Jesus. ago but that was like the first fatal attack in a long time I mean okay. it's cliche to say it but for the most part they're more scared of you than you are right. of them. And for the most part like yeah that's like it will certainly happen, I guess here and there. But in California, I'm pretty sure it hasn't happened in, in forever, if if ever. Uh, you don't have any uh, fear of going to check on the camera that is that keeps picking up uh, mountain lions. Well, the mountain lions are rare. I mean, if you go through, I've gotten about only. So that's the other thing because it's like because Santa Monica's so boxed in, and because it's where I'm placing them is kind of like it's a specific area that's also 
a little bit more isolated because I wanted to get deeper into the mountains, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all rare. Like, I mean, there was one time when I got mountain lions like three days in a row, like they were just in the area, but then usually it's not, you know, I'll go eight months, nine months without seeing them. So okay. the foxes are very uh, prevalent though. The foxes are almost every night. And part of the reason for that is just because you think about their relative sizes, right? The smaller the animal is, the smaller its range. Is, yeah. So it's range and, and, and so like mountain lions, they can have an effective range of like 50 to a hundred miles that they just operate within. And they'll be the only one in that area also? or Well, they don't typically share territory. The females share territory a little bit better than the males. The males will fight for territory and stuff. But like just, yeah, because of the, the unique situation of the Santa Monica Mountains, like they're all kind of on top of each other. Mm-hmm. So they're always in motion and they don't really pick up, I don't think, on the same patterns that they'd otherwise pick up on. Okay. One of the things that the NPS is trying to do with Caltrans, and I guess I'll plug this as well, um, they're trying to construct a wildlife crossing where they will make essentially like a, a highway crossing, but it will be a green belt. That'll just be nature that, uh, mountain lions and other animals can just go across the one one from like, uh, Liberty Canyon area in Agura mm-hmm. to, you know, just the North side of the one one there. And they think it'll, that those animals will re- figure that out and yes. to use it. And the reason is, and this is the, the kind of point is that the, the MPS, they have GPS collars on a lot of these mountain lions. Mm-hmm. They have a, an ongoing study. And that's kind of why I was able to kind of sneak in as a citizen scientist is that they found on their GPS markings that certain cats will go right up to that stretch of the one one Cause it's like the only undeveloped spot. So certain cats will go right up there over and over again, but they never cross. They, or they, almost never across there's only been a couple of cats who have successfully crossed any of the freeways like the famous p22 in griffith park if you know about this one no no what? Oh, okay yeah <laughs> you know it, about yeah. this one yeah so there's this one mountain lion in griffith park and it's famous because uh another photographer who does kind of the same thing as me but with much better cameras got this wonderful shot of the mountain lion with the hollywood sign like perfectly illuminated right behind it oh, and that cool went around the world, you know, like LA times picked it up and everything like check this out. And that P 22 is the name in the study. Uh, I Puma 22, right? I guess. Is okay. what, yeah. And, um, so that's a whole other kind of a whole other story that cat, but like it's one of the rare examples of a cat that successfully made it across the one one successfully crossed the free. I think he even made it across like, or the four or five in his case, I think it was, but like he made it across a couple of freeways, I think. And, I don't know when the last sighting of him was, though, but he's just in Griffith Park. And Griffith Park's even smaller, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. And he's like the only, but there's a lot of deer there. So I don't know. I think he's probably doing all right. But if you Google Hollywood Mountain Lion, you can find out the latest uh, yeah, news latest, on this guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. P22. He may have killed a koala at the LA Zoo two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that will happen occasionally. And you'll hear about that in the Santa Monica's, too. Like every once in a while, you hear about, you know, a pet or something like that. And I actually did stumble upon like one of the more gruesome things that happened was I stumbled upon a pet, like a, a dead dog, like oh. a, car- a carcass. Oh, like, like I think coyotes got to it or something. Coyotes and then birds. Like it was just like bones, but I could tell it was a domestic dog because I should I even say this. This yeah, is getting, sure, this is getting gross. It's, it's yeah. Fine. Just cause one of the bones had like a paw still attached to it. And it definitely oh. wasn't like a wild animal paw. It was like, Oh, that's someone's puppy. Like that's, Oh man. Yeah. Huh. Well, that, that happens. Yeah. That's sad. But uh, yeah. But yeah, just to get back to that point though, about like the different sizes of the animals, like you, you learn a lot from, from like, Oh, foxes, they mostly hunt rats cause rats are smaller than them. Bobcats mostly hunt rabbits because rabbits are a little bigger than rats, so they get a little bit more out of them. Bobcats and foxes can also fight a little bit, 
you know, you, you kind of figure that out and like bobcat range will be like maybe up to five miles. Fox range might be only one mile. Mountain lion range might be 50 miles, you know, just relative to their size. But neither of those mess with each other as far as uh, food predation, or, or do they? Uh, not so. Like a fox so. never gets eaten by a, um, a bobcat. I don't, or... I wouldn't say never. They, they'll cert. I think it, it's been known to happen, but foxes are smaller than you think, which is shout out to a C joiner on Twitter. That's a great, <laughs> one of the all time, one of my all time favorite tweets. Do you know C joiner? No, no, okay. No. You might, you, or maybe I do, but you I, might I, know him, but uh, one of my all time favorite tweets where he says, picture a fox wrong they're smaller than that (laughs) and i just think that's hilarious but uh they are smaller than you think they are they're really tiny but bobcats are also smaller than you think they are because a lot of people kind of think of bobcats as like oh that's like a small mountain lion or something but they're really just like a big house cat most of them most uh, some of them can get bigger but the ones around here are really not that we we have a lot of foxes in england so i was the red foxes though Yeah. yeah these are the gray foxes so you know, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys bring over some to hunt when I don't know, but you definitely or? American gray squirrels took over the British red squirrels. That was the thing. Uh, How did they know that? I don't know. I don't know. Some oh. Americans brought them. Sorry, I was oh. looking up C Joiner and I couldn't. Oh find no, it's it quickly. it's C E E. Oh okay. Joy. J O Y Y. Oh okay. Yeah. I don't follow uh, well, this person. Well, follow him. He's yes. really funny. Okay. He's like my favorite Twitter. Cool. By the way, Shout while we were Twitter. talking about foxes and stuff, I did find, I'll, I'll post it on the show notes, but a good explainer uh, of how different oh. microphone patterns Perfect. happen uh, and how they make them. And the the interesting part of it is that most of the microphone shapes, most of the pattern pickup shapes, come from combining other easy shapes. So... It explains back in the day, there were just two patterns, omnidirectional mics, which were first known as pressure microphones. Their diaphragms measured sound pressure at a single point in space because they had no directional information. They were equally sensitive to sound from all directions, so their pickup patterns basically a, a, circle. Circ- a sphere. Sort of. uh, and then um, figure eight mics, which are commonly known as pressure gradient microphones, they measured the difference in pressure between either side of an open diaphragm. That meant they were sensitive to sound from the front and the rear, but almost completely deaf on the sides. So if you think, if you can picture, there's a diagram that is easy to see, but if you don't have access to the link right now, if you're driving or whatever, if you picture the omni pattern is just a circle, and then the figure of eight is like around the central point of that circle, if you think there's a smaller, two smaller circles, one on top of each other, like an eight, but one of them is negative and the other one is positive. So if you have a circle that is positive all the way around, You're and then cause a figure of eight, right now, right? You realize, <laughs> right? Like, there's no way thinking about circles while driving is very dangerous. <laughs> Don't do any spatial reasoning while you're on the road. Yeah, <laughs> pull over and then think about yeah. this. Yeah. Pull but, over and think about circles, please. But if you if you think about combining those two things, so you've got like a figure of eight pattern, which is plus. Oh, plus on one bit and minus on plus on one loop and minus on the other loop, uh-huh. and superpose that on top of a circle. It pulls a one big, side in and makes it that cardio. Exactly, shape. that makes it that you get a heart shape where uh-huh. it's double the pickup in front. That where it's like a plus plus a, a plus and a plus. Right. It's sort of a half amount on the sides where it's just the pickup from the omni and nothing from the figure eight, mm-hmm. and it's zero behind because the negative from the figure eight bit cancels out the positive from the 
Okay. Omni. Zero. It wouldn't ever be zero. Well, no, I think it is with regular cardio, but with a super cardioid, I think that it's the same, except there's this one little spike that, that goes. Is, that is exactly there, it. Yeah, there it is. There, yeah. So the super cardioid is, it's nothing or little on the side. So they worked the out. Front, but then a little bit on the very back. So effectively combining different versions of this, that's the most basic. That's the cardio. Yeah cardioid mic and then if you have like a double figure of eight on top of a single omni and have that figure of eight be bigger than the omni pickup then you get a super cardioid. uh the pictures i'm gonna link to the pictures yeah like it the makes pictures. it a lot easier to see it's very good though very cool but yeah, yeah that makes i'm sense not from, gonna remember this in an hour but of course not but that i don't makes, remember it now but that makes sense from those pictures yeah, and they're all color coded as well yeah. i will check that out too i'm looking over your shoulder yeah cool it looks interesting but I want to talk about wildlife some more. Wildlife, yeah, I didn't even know. I thought we were going to end up talking about. The, the, the I, I, I love, I love this because this is this happens on the show quite a bit where someone yeah. goes, but yeah, "What's your background in science?" You're like, "Nah, nothing really, oh. except this one little thing." And well, I have ten published papers in. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out, oh, I've I've contributed to wildlife studies with yeah. my nocturnal photography. I mean, I wouldn't say contribute. So the other thing too about that though is that I do it and it's fun and it's cool because I'm the only person doing it in Santa Monica Mountains, but there are a handful of other people who do it out in like North Valtadina and like Monrovia area and they do it to a whole other level like there's this one dude I don't know I guess should I mention his Instagram why not why yeah. not yeah Parliament of Owls Instagram of Owls. is that and the term is it the collective I believe it is yeah Parliament. and he gets like every day he gets like families of mountain lions he gets bears he get any he, and he has DSLR rigs that are like really high quality shots so Shout out to that! Shout out to him. Um, he's doing it to a whole other level. Um, is it? Is this? But it's that, private. Why is it? Uh, private? No, that's not it. It is Parliament of Owls, but maybe, maybe there's an underscore in there or something. Maybe I forget. You know? Oh, dude! Did I just send everyone on a wrong? Oh, uh, I think it's um, yeah, Robert Martinez. The, the yeah. O's are zeros. Oh, yep. There we go. The O's correct. are zeros. That's yeah, it. Parliament yeah. Parliament of Owls, but make the O's into zeros. Yeah. So or capital. No, those are zeros. Right? Yeah, those are zero. Looks like. Oh yeah, those are good pictures. Yeah, too. he gets really good pictures. And so what's the yours is not a DSLR. No, so mine is just a little purpose built. You know, all in one. Hunters use them to keep track of deer on their property and stuff like okay. that, or whatever deer movements. If and some, if, 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 if they're kind of was cheap, hiking, would they see it or not? Um, yeah, they would. I mean, in in the three or so years I've been doing it, I've had like uh, maybe two dozen times when I've caught people on them. Not too many. Uh-huh. A couple of times someone's picked it up and I've gotten like a photo of someone looking at it. But hikers aren't really going to tamper with that sort of stuff. And I have my permit is like affixed to it too. So it looks official. Oh, so no one's good. If they see it, yeah. like, what is this? Oh, this guy's got bears. Wait, yeah, he gets this? bears. So and again, like there's no bears in the Santa Monica mountains, but he found this great, like, I guess, I guess it's a fire road or something, but he found it. He calls it his wildlife highway. And like every day he's getting mountain lions and bears going on that road. So he's, and he's kind of the same as me. Like he just stumbled into it. He just figures out as it goes, and he's learning he about. He was at the uh, bailiff. Well, I don't uh, think he was. I don't think he was at the. I don't, yeah, <laughs> but he is just like you know a, a hobbyist, and and he wow. does a, a really excellent job. So if you want to see really high quality photos, go to him. If you want to see specifically Santa Monica Mountains photos, go to me. And if you don't care about this, then think about circles, yeah. <laughs> or just turn it off. I guess. Why would you still listen if you if if I'm, you know, I'd say yeah. go to your one anyway, because fuck it, he's yeah, not coming on our podcast. Yeah. We've never had Parliament of Owls uh, on our once, show. Once you he, are a guest, so we should, everyone should go to your one. All right, I'll say you. once thank Parliament you. of Owls uh, gets his first, let's say, hole in one, then I'll have him on as the uh, 
excellent golfer, wildlife tracker. He's got to have some hook. He's got okay, to, yeah, yeah. Can he slam dunk? Is, fair enough. I don't he, think he can dunk. Meat, yeah. I don't think he's a vegan. So yeah, there's that. That can always fall back on that. Yes. Can always fall back on that. It says he's an Elliott Smith fan in here. Oh, so well, there we go. Ah, maybe you do have to have him on the show. <laughs> Really good Elliot Smith fan. That's a good hook. Well, the initial way we got started talking was I think I tweeted at you after you posted about the Fermi paradox, and so we were gonna right because that's the other thing that we were thinking about was the the Isaac Arthur, which His... I hadn't listened to that podcast yeah. until you recommended it, and I checked it out. And it's very interesting. He does a lot of futurism, and uh, or the show is called Science Future. Yeah, si- yeah the... Science and Futurism with, with Isaac, Isaac Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I listened to the episode that you mentioned about brainwashing, which got into a very interesting one of many possible explanations for the Fermi paradox, which I think we've talked about before, but in case we haven't. It's so fun to talk about the Fermi paradox. Yeah, it's I a really would, yeah. fun sort of thought experiment. It's basically the the where is everybody problem. Like yeah. If there is extraterrestrial life, why have we heard nothing? And there are tons of reasons that people posit for that. I mean, you know, space is vast for one thing. Um Let's see, I'm looking up the most recent article on space.com about this. So yeah, it seeks to answer the question of where the aliens are, given that our star and Earth are part of a young planetary system compared to the rest of the universe, and that interstellar travel might be fairly easy to achieve. The theory says that Earth should have been visited by aliens already. As the story goes, Italian physicist Enrico Fermi, most famous for creating the first nuclear reactor, came up with the theory with a casual lunchtime remark in 1950. Oh, you got to love the mythologizing yeah. of it. A casual lunchtime <laughs> remark. Yeah, sure, buddy. Uh, the implications, it was brunch. However, have had extraterrestrial researchers scratching their heads in the decades since. Fermi realized that any civilization with a modest amount of rocket technology and an immodest amount of imperial incentive could rapidly colonize the entire galaxy. Yeah. The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute in Mountain View, California, said on its website, within 10 million years, every star system could be brought under the wing of empire. 10 million years may sound long, but in fact, it's quite short compared with the age of the galaxy, which is roughly 10,000 million years. 10, yeah. Million years. Like, there's like a bullet point version of it on the Wikipedia what, um, page. And it, did it say what year this happened in? That they that he yeah. um, came up with it? In 1950 was when he okay. theorized it or so, asked the question. So the sort of bullet point version of it is uh, there are billions of stars in the galaxy that are similar to the sun and many of these stars are billions of years older than the solar system. Uh, with high probability... Some of these stars have Earth-like planets. We now actually know that nearly all... It's pretty yeah. much... Well, we know... Uh, we talked with Adam Frank, who's an astrobiologist, and he talked about that with all the exoplanet discoveries, it's yeah. basically understood that every single star has at least one planet. And then right. And is maybe that... Maybe a fifth of those are in the habitable zone. Is that because of, like, a function of the way that the mass of stars attracts, like, matter, like the gravity wells that it creates because it wasn't I, I our planets so. it- brought together by just like m- minerals and stuff get just get compressed together but they're far enough away that they turn into rocky planets yeah and like, and things get trapped in the but not too gravitational far that they turn pull. to gas giants uh, yeah and yeah. they get trapped in the gravitational pull of the earth uh, sorry of the, of the of star, a, of a star yeah. in our case the sun yeah and as it co- as it travels around in the in the various orbits they sort of co- coalesce right and so it stands to reason that anything that there's enough stars that have sufficient mass for that to happen that well, it's, it's also just that kepler has been finding exoplanets at such a clip now that they're like oh well this is just a matter of time because you can only see ones when they happen to pass between right that right. so that's what blows us. my mind too so, about kepler because you get all these articles all the time and it's always like oh all these new planets discovered and then you re- remind yourself of the methodology and it's like 
the the way that we're able to figure this stuff out by like a flicker in light. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah so you like, think, and we, we've, this has come out so many times in this show because of how interesting it is and how many different bits of science has ended up impacting. But yeah, the two, the main ways they discover the existence of exoplanets, you don't, you can't ever actually see the planet. They're too far away and they're too obscured. And they don't give off and light. And they don't give off light. Yeah, but um, the two things you notice are the light from a star dimming and then going back to regular intensity on a regular uh, uh, interval which suggests that there's something that's orbiting it and between occluding the image every so often um and then gravitational wobble is the other thing they look for right it's like something the planet itself exactly which suggests that something that you can't see is making this is slightly changing what you'd expect to this orbit there's a wobble in there which suggests that there's another thing that has mass that is orbiting around what i find to be so funny and interesting about that on top of that is that you'll get those articles every once in a while it's like did we just find a second earth and it has the really beautiful (laughs) illustration that's looking and then it's like and then it's like well no we just found something that wobbles a little bit like we do right you know it's like oh that's not as fun i mean it's brilliant but it's not as fun that's a great point that's always that's there is always the illustration of like yeah uh, the, the trees and the mountains or whatever yeah. and you go it's really all we've discovered is once every two earth years someone's right, slightly yeah. lowering the dimmer switch and, and then yeah. putting it back up and again and then it's like the next one's like once every 1.7 earth years it's like oh getting closer it's, yeah. it's even more <laughs> earth like yeah, most like, like an earth. we got this illustrator on retainer can we just but, put him but to now, work on but this now, he wants to draw some clouds but now the other oceans. question I have about that maybe you guys remember or can talk about it is is we also only see the big ones, right? Like, isn't there also theorized that there's, like, we see super Earths that are, like, four times the size of Earth, but we don't see ones that are, or we don't see any of them. I'm but, not sure like, about we can't that. Pick, saying we haven't we can't able to pick up, yeah, like, we can't pick up the wobbles of, of, like, an actual Earth-sized planet. I don't, I, know I don't know if that's true or not. That yeah. might well be true. Uh, so the rest of the listeners, is that true? Let us know. Yes, please. But the, please leave it in the comments. Uh, the other things, so the rest of the points, so... With high probability, some of these, now all of these pretty much, have Earth-like planets. Well, no, all and of if, them have planets, and then about 20% of those have Earth-like planets. Right. Oh, that's, a, yeah. that's yeah, a fair yeah. point. That's correct. Yeah. And if the Earth is typical, some may have developed intelligent life. Some of these civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step the Earth is investigating now. And even at the slow pace of currently envisaged, uh, envisaged uh, interstellar travel, the Milky Way galaxy could be completely traversed in a few million years. Which is nothing in space terms. Right. So according to this line of reasoning, the Earth should already have been visited by extraterrestrial aliens. Right. In an informal conversation, Fermi noted no convincing evidence of this. There's that informal in conversation okay, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, lunch, yeah, yeah, lunch. Right. All right, sure, buddy. Like, uh, sure, just leaning buddy. as the wall, just water cooler <laughs> chat, leading him to ask, where is everybody? There are many attempts to explain it, primarily either suggesting that intelligent extraterrestrial life is extremely rare or proposing reasons that such civilizations have not contacted or visited Earth. There is a huge Wikipedia article. Yeah, with it's the, a great yeah, the, topic. The, the I possible think, explanations they give on Wikipedia alone, there are and like it's 20 de- right it's there. It's a depressing topic too because so many of the explanations, the possible explanations, they are only plausible for about five minutes. And then you go, oh, that's probably not plausible anymore. Like, it's like, that's what the Isaac Arthur thing, listening to his Fermi Paradox series, I'm always like, oh, this is great, this is great. And then he goes, but it probably wouldn't be that. 
his reasons probably, for why they haven't or why they yeah could still. why why they haven't why there isn't anything out there why it might actually be a lonely universe oh that's okay, why it starts okay. to get a little depressing for me because like i at least that's why i come away from it often i'll be like oh that's convincing that that makes sense they wouldn't be there because yeah okay that 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 explanation's been defeated darn Okay, because yeah. I was still sort of, I liked buying into, and true, this is just one person, but again, this past guest of ours, Adam Frank, he was saying that with this exoplanet boom, uh, it reduces the chances, even even people who before that were the most pessimistic about the chances of life. They're starting to be just because of how many planets there are. There are so, yeah. that, that even there, even using their own numbers, you'd still have like a 99.999% chance that life either does or has yeah existed. well I that's think, an important I distinction because th- if no, it had yeah, in the past yeah, it does now, yeah then... exactly well i think i'm a full agreement that's logical that makes sense 100 yeah. percent. i think you know for sure i'm all aboard ancient aliens for for days <laughs> right right but, <laughs> but i just when it comes to the contemporary idea of like you know especially with fermi talking about like imperialism and galactic spanning empire like that's a really relevant observation it doesn't you know, it, it sounds like a weird comment, but then you think about it, it's like, well, no, if uh, any civilization made space travel easy, of course they would expand as much as they possibly could. And you magnify that by a million years, and of course they're going to be everywhere. Like, But unless they decided that there wasn't... But they'd benefit. have to decide that, and right. this is where it gets really tricky, because how can you have a society that decides something 100%? And right. this this was the thing that I tweeted about that, that you responded to. Yeah, yeah because, because, the, because it comes back to this sense of like, it only takes literally one alien guy who's not on board with every. Right, you know, everyone else says keep the fuck quiet. Yeah, and one just... dude with a warp drive lands in Burbank, and all of a sudden our entire world history has changed. And like, how do you? He's possibly... the journalist on the Die Hard plane. He's <laughs> <laughs> just the... yeah. So like, he's gonna get punched at the end by one of the other aliens. But... Yeah. So I mean, like, that's the stuff that get to me. Goes, oh yeah, that's a good point. Because if it really, it does only take one individual going you know bucking the trend of what the society has otherwise decided or the empire has otherwise decided to to make contact or to demonstrate contact or whatever and that's pretty interesting odds to try to defeat you know Mm -hmm. like right so So here here are the attempt i'll I'll just again bullet point various attempts to argue against it or to explain it uh one is extraterrestrial life is rare or non-existent uh that the fact that uh, we are a very unlikely proposition. So the fact that we evolved doesn't mean that it necessarily could have evolved in other places in those numbers. Uh, other possibilities, no intelligent species have arisen. So we, life which, evolved, which, but it didn't get intelligence. Which, which I, you know, I think that one's really good too because you think about our, our history and what, how many hundreds of millions of years was it just dinosaurs? Right. Yeah. You know, hundreds of millions of years and it's just dinosaurs. And then like, yeah, so... The vast majority, and then again, intelligent alien species lack advanced technology. So again, we were dinosaurs, then we were intelligent humans, but we certainly haven't had advanced technology until very recently in our uh, history. And then we get to the next bit, which is it's in the nature of intelligent life to destroy itself. Which was also what we talked about that in Frank about, because what if everybody gets to this point and then it only lasts a few hundred years before you inadvertently destroy the the planet you're inhabiting seeming and- <laughs> kind of likely right now yeah, well, not so, even by, but even just by you know certainly one of the things Carl Sagan change. was very worried about was the, the idea that within a very short amount of time of after a certain amount of time of intelligent exi- life existing we will develop the ability to destroy all life on earth and a short time after that at least certainly in galactic terms 
we happen. will it'll yeah. we will the murphy's that. law anything that yeah. can happen will happen and right and in that same episode you're talking about the brainwashing if we get to the point that nanotechnology gets to the point that you can quickly make a doomsday device then suddenly that technology will probably also be accessible to almost everyone including yeah. all it takes is one crazy person to then end everything yeah. with some self-replicating device and um, we have to like voluntarily brainwash ourselves as a society got a couple well, more here's, yeah. here's a few more yeah uh this is similar to the other one, but different. It's in the nature of intelligent life to destroy others. So not necessarily destroying yourself. So this would require not just one, but two very advanced alien species, two or more, effectively keeping each other in check. Because um, as the idea that something or someone might be destroying intelligent life in the universe has been explored. A species might undertake such extermination out of expansionist motives, paranoia, or aggression. Uh, in 1981, cosmologist Edward Harrison argues such behavior will be an act of prudence. An intelligent species that has overcome its own self-destructive tendencies might well view any other species bent on galactic expansion as a threat. It's also mm. been suggested that the successful alien species will be a super predator, as are humans. Uh, another possibility involves the tragedy of the commons and the anthropic principle. The first life form to achieve interstellar travel will necessarily, even if unintentionally, prevent competitors arising. And humans simply happen to be first. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. That's another one, yeah, right. Yeah, um, it, yeah. Maybe people will get so. Um, maybe there's racism on other planets and other kinds of division, and they're really looking it's called for spacism that. when spacism. it's on other planets. <laughs> they're looking for that common enemy, like in Independence Day. You know, the whole world comes yeah. together to fight the aliens, so they're going to want to fight. So they'll at least have some way to unify their planet. And- uh, here are some others: uh, periodic extinction by natural events. That's a th- uh, thing. Major. There's been major extinction events on Earth. There are thoughts, um, it may be the case that such extinction events are common throughout the universe and periodically destroy intelligent life or at least its civilizations. Those are the uh, great filters in the Drake equation. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and then, oh, we should, we've mentioned the Drake equation before in previous shows, but this is the equation that Drake proposed that... It's like seven The rapper Drake, right? Yeah, yeah. the rapper Drake. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hotline equation. Effectively multiplies all the different... And he did it over right. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> criteria that it give it gives you an estimate of how likely uh, life is to exist and how much life exists mm-hmm. so it effectively is number of number of planets, ga- number, number of, of galaxies multiplied by number of stars multiplied yeah. by number, number of planets multiplied all those are from yeah then the ratio in the inhabitable yeah. zone and then and, the ratio and one yeah. and the last of those is, is how long, is how long has oh, yeah. humans existed because right. the longer because hu- that's our best model for how long life yeah. can exist and the longer well other than the 400 million years of dinosaurs intelligent life right. i know i know i know exactly. i just like dinosaurs and stuff. they were pretty cool yeah um but the kepler discovery kind of i think that's the when you talk about optimism that made one of those one it, of those filters it, it changed won, it yeah it changed it a lot i think and and up the chances right yeah. but again even if there it, it is out there and uh, also oh, there's, sorry, a, there's, a, there's a multiverse solution that is that's the one confused. that uh, that's the one that i feel like everyone's down with these days you know, ever since the whole Berenstein Bears incident, <laughs> I think everyone's just kind of resigned that we have slipped into the wrong timeline somehow. And, and there's a multiverse and we're just, we're going through everything we're going through right now. And, you know, there's a whole other timeline that we just, it was we, Berenstein we, yeah, we, we've departed from. And I think, I think, uh, you know, that's people seem to think that David Lee Roth country song was also a, a dividing point. That went viral recently, <laughs> people were like, "What?" In, I guess in 2006, he came on Leno and did uh, "Jump" with a bluegrass band. Oh boy, bootleg jeans were bootcut jeans. That was a thing. Yeah. It's, well, it's, apparently, it's been apparently, yeah, apparently, it's, like, this it's, is the Mandela effect and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, some of this stuff 
dovetails nicely with some recent events. Yep. Well, um, very quickly oh, before sure. you get onto yes. this, so the other the other possibilities are intelligent civilizations are too far apart in space or time. So that is a possibility. That the seems universe the most likely yeah, to very, me, I think, yeah. And lack of resources to spread physically throughout the galaxy. Again, yeah. Uh, just to there might not be enough resources in the universe to spread to spread apart sufficiently. Right. Uh, I don't know about that one though, because there's a lot of resources in the universe. Yeah. But it's mostly empty. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and actually, when I was just listening to your guys's you know other episode with Neil Tyson, and he, and there was the point raised about how most of the universe like isn't universe mm-hmm. <laughs> by a large margin it's it's, it's the, right the physical stuff is a very small uh you know i just looked up some of those numbers just to remind people um first of all i wanted to shout out to uh deepak Srinivasan, our past guest um the parker solar probe that he worked on just broke two records it just became the uh closest that anything man has ever made to the sun it's the what's, what's their wording for that Whatever, nothing we've ever made has gotten closer to the sun than the line they just crossed. Um, pre- previous to this, in 1976, the Helios 2 probe uh, got within 26 million miles in of the sun. In 1976, did you? 76, yeah. Um, but as of October 29th, the Parker Solar Probe crossed that threshold. It also became the fastest relative to the sun that anything man has made has traveled. It's, it just uh, got to 153,000 miles an hour. It has the right idea. Holy get the heck out of here <laughs> fast and go to the sun. Just get, burn yourself yeah, up. Go to the sun. Go into the sea. By yeah. the way, as a as a musician who grew up around LA I, and is interested in the multiverse, did you have, do you ever encounter Mark Everett, aka E from the Eels? Because his dad was the guy who came up with a multiverse theory. I can't say that I have, and if I have, I'm sorry that I've forgotten. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah the guy yeah, from the the guy from the Eels, the they were crazy the only consistent member of the eels his dad was physicist hugh everett huh. who's the guy who first proposed the Multiverse? theory of the huh. multiverse very cool and uh speaking of victor wooten have you heard the story about future man from bailey fleck and the know, Flecktones? yeah about his tax evasion stuff i heard a little bit about that yeah. and his reasoning for why he shouldn't have to pay taxes uh remind me that he's from the future oh yeah well that's <laughs> he's future man i thought there was a more <laughs> i thought there was a, a better reason than that i mean that that's the that's reason sort of science. But, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like that as a, so well, I hope hope he gets all that sorted out because yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. Yes, I don't <laughs> wish uh, financial doom on him. I just think it's a funny excuse. So uh, uh, I was going to say that's no, got to be another Fermi solution though, too, right? Time travel? No, because time travel is not really possible, is it? I don't. Uh, I don't well, think. At the end of the day, is is time travel any different from? I think the when, when we come time? back to Fermi solutions, the ones that interest me the most are the sort of sociological ones, the sort of psychological ones. Yeah, one of them we haven't got to yet yeah. is that it's the, the one of the reasons might be that it's dangerous to communicate that there is intelligent life out there, and they've concluded that we should shut the fuck up and not be yeah. broadcasting. Yeah, that's one of those great prompts. I remember reading that uh, one somewhere that like, it was like a, a story writing prompt or something that's just like you know what do you do when the first contact message is deciphered that says shut up you idiots you know or like like (laughs) like, you know like like sort of like tries to instill fear that if you're not quiet something's going to come get you yeah uh one other possibility again this is sociological is or anthropological i think is that earth is deliberately not contacted that there is a substantially more intelligent yeah. life out there that is just observing us and this like also, a wildlife camera this also came up on the neil tyson episode that i just was listening to of you guys and i had a, a slight bone to pick with that one because because neil and you know i love neil very dearly 
sort of. Sure. <laughs> I like him a lot. I, I, I appreciate what he does, but he, he has this point that he was making repeatedly. We're talking about like our difference in intelligence to an insect and the idea of like what's greater than us that might treat us like an insect. Mm-hmm. And it's a really evocative idea. And it's like, it, it tickles your imagination. You're like, yeah, what would that be like? And it's a great sort of thing to think about, but I don't think it's really like, basically what I'm saying is our ability to make the Hubble telescope didn't come from any individual's intelligence. It's collective knowledge passed right. through generations and collective trade and craft and skill and refining ideas over generations and generations. That's what gives us these amazing accomplishments. And if you just remove them and just have our intelligence, we don't make those accomplishments. And we actually are a lot closer to a chimpanzee if you remove all that stuff. But I mean, the fact that we can socialize like that is that a is, function uh, of yeah. our brains. And, and we'll always get to that point because yeah. of that. But then if you're thinking about what could be a higher intelligence that makes us look like insects, I don't know that it linearly scales like that is my point oh, like i think it gets to a point yeah we is, crossed is the line important line of of, of sharing knowledge yeah social. and there's not a there's not another quantum leap you can yeah that's kind social. of the thing so that that's was like i was i was yeah. listening i was just thinking like i just think that it rolls off you know like there's this there's this ramping up of intelligence from an insect to a chimpanzee or whatever but then once you get to a certain point the next step isn't more intelligent. That maybe, no although there's also might be a, a next so. step of intelligence that we can't even conceive because we haven't got to that in the same and way. And that's that's Neil's point in the end is just like yes, you it's a good thought and experiment, and and his job as a science communicator is to always keep that open and always right. keep those answers open. But my job as a wildlife tracker vegan <laughs> whom can dunk <laughs> is to say what I think is the case, and I think the case is that it rolls off, and there's a point of diminishing returns where there isn't a a continuing spectrum of just more intelligent to the to the to the right. point where it's what could the next leap that is something like going from individual to social be i can't think of what that could i be. think it doesn't it, mean it could yeah, exist but i like, think the only well not the only but one that comes to mind is that brainwashing episode again we talk about oh it congeals into you know massive sort of hive mind sort of thing where well, it's all the collective intelligent that gets directed at single problems and that sort of connects to one of the other we're not going to have time to do it because there's so many different explanations but one of one of the other possibilities is that they, if there is intelligent life, they tend to isolate themselves and exist in massive virtual environments. Transfer. That's the loner high school teen intelligent mm, life. It's right. Like, Nobody understands. <laughs> they're sort of they're not going outside. They're yeah. just in their big yeah. basements. Exactly. Uh, which also connects to another possibility, which is that they are just too alien. That they there is intelligent life, but it differs so much from us. Yeah, that there is almost no way of communicating with it. Yeah. And I guess that's actually the other answer too. how an, an unfathomable intelligence could work. If it's just it's, that it's if, so different, it's, that it's better. Yeah, it's like its a, whole perception and everything would be completely different, that it's no longer even functioning on the same yeah. sort of sensory input that we're functioning on. Right, right. And by the way, I meant to do uh, finish up that Parker Solar Probe thing with a little number crunching on. So that's the fastest thing we've ever made so far. So if you send out a manned spacecraft going that speed, again, 150,000 miles an hour, uh, it would take to get to the nearest star in our galaxy, which is Proxima Centauri at 4.2 light years away. Um, by my math, about 19,000 years. And that's just the nearest star. And then the closest known galaxy to us is another 25,000 light years away. So, um, you know, another five orders of magnitude above how long so then you'd be in the millions of years going out as That's fast as we've so ever sent something so big. unless you can so work, we are still technologically yeah. a long way behind any it's point that so we could travel big. into yeah. <laughs> it's too much what do we do about all that uh, what's the answer to that yeah i mean maybe someone will figure out some kind of yeah. warp drive but like that it really is like we've only just got a couple of cra- 
craft that have got outside of what is considered to be our solar system. Yeah, and that's funny too because I feel like I see that headline every couple of years that Voyager 1 has left the solar system like every couple of years because I guess there's like not actually I mean there's no picket fence of like when you leave. There's there's like a there's different different There's no like right, now we're we're no longer in the sun's jurisdiction (laughs) sun cops can't follow us (laughs) they have to stop at this border. Yeah, there's like a probe caravan that's heading towards the border and another galaxy is going sending troops to uh crack down on that um also another thing that doesn't help us in in finding out more about the universe r.i.p kepler we just found this out today that uh nasa's revolutionary planet hunting telescope has just run out of fuel the most prolific planet hunting machine in history has signed off wait it ran out of fuel yep it um i I thought it was one of those yeah no i I assumed i thought it was well i guess i didn't know what i assumed but i just I just assumed it wouldn't happen. That's all. That's um, surprising. Oh, no, I guess fuel as in like um, rock, anything to propel itself, to reorient oh, itself. Oh, okay. So it probably yeah. has power from right. the sun, but it doesn't have the ability to reorient itself, which makes uh, it kind of useless yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, it discovered about 70% of the almost Can 4, we send 000. any like cowboy miners up to, right? <laughs> to refuel it? Can we get a scene where know, they're all yeah, rallying yeah. together, fighting a guy who's welding somewhere, tips up his welding mask and says, I'm on yeah, board. It's yeah. definitely easier to teach uh, those guys to be astronauts <laughs> than it is to teach an astronaut teach to do their job. Guys. I'm just saying, I mean, if they're available... Uh... I know, I know. Um, so yeah, thank you for all your, uh, all your work, Kepler, in finding most of these 4,000... And we look forward planets. to the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, and thank you also the donors, because we've had a lot of donations since we last recorded. Oh, yeah. We should thank people who've gone to probablyscience.com, where we also post all of the show notes and links to things we've discussed on the show. But thank you very much to donors Trevor Hubbard, Lindsay Bacon, Robert Condon, William Bagley, Mark Williams, R.L. Kappa, Austin Walsworth, John Clarici, Oliver Four, Stephen Edmonds, Keith Statenfield, Daniel Monson, David Farrell, uh, Jake Swenson, Peter Lipchi, Emma Wilton, Leanne Mazia, and a one-off donation from Justin McDowell, who also went to see Andy when he was in Tacoma. Thank you, Justin. Uh, and met up with him. Oh, an update as well, because we've had some awesome uh, messages from Australian, both listeners and people with possible venue hookups. So we're trying to work out timings. I think I am still going to go out to Australia in December when Jim is performing there, and I'm going to do a couple of shows with him and some other just shows myself. But I think uh, probably science, we're looking at maybe doing it in February instead, just to give us a little bit more lead time to make that happen. Yeah, especially because then we could do multiple cities, because now we have some people who run comedy rooms in various Yeah, and also because, as a a couple of people have pointed out, December is not the best month to try and get people out to shows, because it's all Christmas parties. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, it's also summer, right? Well, it is, but it's going to be summer in February as well. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so that's. I think we're gonna try it. We're gonna. Well, once we have, probably if it's then it's gonna be the first two weeks of February. Yes, because that's, that's the times we can do it. So, so that's where we're looking at doing an Australia run, uh, where we're gonna certainly hit um, Sydney and Melbourne, and then up the coast. Probably Brisbane, Gold Coast, and Cairns. Yeah. Uh, I've may- been to Australia. It's a fun it's place. A, yeah, it's a fun place. Maybe uh, maybe Adelaide if we can fit it in. Perth, I'm. Is looking go, unlikely. No, far, go to right? Perth. I went really? to Perth when I went to the Australia. I made a point because it's so I've far. I've never away. been to Perth, and it's meant to be beautiful and That's lovely. But thing. it is so it far is the away. Most it's remote. Like it, a city I, with over a million people, I think, in the in the in the country, in the, in the world. Yeah, yeah, the it is isolated from other yeah. cities, major cities. It is. It's the yeah. furthest. 
It's and it was worth. It's, you liked it. I had a great time there. Yeah. Nice. And I made that point specifically because it's so far. Because I was like, oh, it's so far. Were you on a trip out there, or were you just was it vacation, or were yeah, you just just, vaca- just okay. vacation? But like you know, I did see you know from from Cairns down to Adelaide and everything in between, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, are you gonna are you considering touring this show at all for people outside of LA? It's or? been talked about. Uh, I would need a lot of support to do that because this show, as of, as of now, is mostly I'm just doing it myself, mm-hmm. and so I would certainly need to step it up in a lot of ways to produce that properly. Yeah. But well, I know there are lots of Nilsson fans out there, so if yeah, you, if you are some of them listening, uh, follow him on Twitter, on Twitter, and uh, and and Facebook to uh, Facebook Keith Nilsson. Um, Your Twitter handle is Keefo Nilsson. Just yeah, okay. I thought it was K O. No, Keefo oh, Nilsson. Okay. Yeah, K I E F O Nilsson. Yes. Yes. And um, you just started up a Twitter account, an official Harry Nelson. Yeah, Twitter, my right? siblings and I run this official Nelson account. But you were in the middle of announcements. Okay. Did I just interject with you? Uh, I don't think so. That I think that was all the, the announcements. The so the you can go to probablyscience.com and click on that donation button. And also, the other way to help us out is by tweeting and Facebooking and spreading the word and writing nice things about us on iTunes and yep. giving us nice ratings and all that good stuff. And, um, and yeah, the show on Sunday. Show on Sunday, 4 Dynasty p.m., typewriter. Dynasty Typewriter, which is a great venue. Really like it there. Yeah, those guys are great. Yep. And it's a, it's just a really cool theater. I, yeah, I don't know what it was doing for... Night. It was a, I think it's, it's been, been around forever. In I think various, it's one of those ones yeah. that's gone through different guises. It was a movie theater at one point, and then it was a... Uh, it's, it's jumped around, but it's, yeah. it was the running. Sign, the sign still says Hayworth Theater, right? Yeah, that yeah. Was what the old name of it. And was. I think that maybe the full, maybe the full name uh, of Dynasty is Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth. I think yeah. is their full name. I but. believe that is, but yeah, it's a great venue, and you. I can only ma- like I know a couple of the musicians you've dragged into this thing. It's you. It's you know great, some very good musicians in this band. city. We got a string section. We got a tuba. We have a, awesome. a, a harp. You know, we got like. Really, really cool music. So, and if I can brag about you, you have your father is my favorite singer of all time, and you have his voice. So, it's, oh, it's very fun very to cool. see you singing I, his songs. Thank you. So, yeah, come on and Sunday, I'll be there with a huge good. I voice, don't think so. I have his voice personally. I do what I can, but people should also check out your YouTube videos because then they could decide for themselves. And I like, do have uh, a few YouTube videos. In fact, I think there's a YouTube video of me dunking a basketball. That's where I found out you could do. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe that's the that is the that is Kifo the dunking vegan Nilsson yeah. once again. Uh, wildlife tracker wildlife tracker <laughs> vegan dog yeah we'll, we'll link to who the... likes dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also any stories you want us to cover you can email us probablyscience yes. at gmail.com you can tweet us at probablyscience or facebook slash probablyscience we didn't we got carried away with Fermi Paradox and uh, wildlife tracking stories. So we didn't get even into any of the topical stuff this week, but we, think, got we got loads. Parker probe and the, oh, that's um, true. the death of Kepler. That's two, that two is topical true. things. That's two solid topical things. But we will get deep into those next uh, week, next episode. And also, you can always find us individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Yes, that is true. And um, yeah, hopefully see some of you on Sunday and everybody else. Uh check you out next week and uh, listen to the, and watch the Jim Jeffrey show as well we've oh, got yes, three episodes left on this season it's on Comedy Central every Tuesday do that and uh, thanks again for listening thanks Kifo thank you guys and thanks for the mics and, no, oh yeah we're you, keeping you, these. You, no <laughs> <laughs> don't keep them All right. Sennheiser give us some mics bye bye